0: Today we're going to be reading the 12th chapter of John's Gospel about Mary and Tom and I were discussing just a moment ago as we were watching the beautiful signing of this anthem that Mary in ministering to Jesus ministered with no words but with actions that really made a difference. Thank you so much to our signed choir our deaf ministry of this church. Today we are going to be focusing on the 12th chapter of John so you can be making your way to your Bibles there and we'll be reading it in just a moment. The woman again at the feet of Jesus is Mary and we know that her sister was Martha, right? We know Mary and Martha, Mary the one who was uh, constantly with Jesus in presence and Martha the doer and their brother was Lazarus. And of course, we know in the 11th chapter of John's Gospel, we have the beautiful scene of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And we remember in that scene how that he'd been in the tomb for four days. And you recall the sister's concern that was voiced by Martha. And I love the way that Jesus said, open the tomb. And immediately Martha speaks up with the very practical nature that she held and said... Lord, this is King James Version, by this time our brother stinketh. Four days in the tomb, she would have been right. But now in this 12th chapter, this dead man Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, is sitting at the table with Jesus and he is eating there with him as Martha serves the table and as Mary again finds herself at the feet of Jesus. This time, she was not speaking, as we've already said. This time, Jesus wasn't the one who was speaking. This time, it was Mary providing the action of love and care, of thanksgiving and worship. She was anointing Jesus' feet with a very costly perfume that was called nard. Now actually this perfume was called Spike Nard and it was the chief perfume of antiquity. It got its name from a spike-like shape of the root and the shiny stem uh, and that was herb-like and it was found in the Himalayan mountains and the Greeks and the Romans loved the spice so much that they would pay the expense of having it shipped in and then purchased The nard was usually sealed in alabaster flasks or jars and used on very special occasions. The cost of the perfume we know in the scripture we're about to read was 300 denarii. And one denarii was about the, the amount a common laborer would be paid for a day's work. So 300 denarii would be the entire annual salary of a common worker. In other words, in today's money, this would be as much as $30,000 worth of nard that Mary was putting on the feet of Jesus. And we know that that, that this nard was, was so fragrant, it was filling up the room. Can you smell it? Can you smell it? What does it smell like? I don't know for sure, but I can tell you, it smelled to everyone in the room like the good stuff. Now I want us to read this text today with this kind of background. And I'd like for us to stand out of respect of God's Word for the reading of God's Word. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Reminds me of this common table project, kids. And Martha served Lazarus. He was one of table with him. And Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the common purse and he used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it. So that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you but you will not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Did you know when you were born that your nose was capable of detecting and identifying 10,000 different scents. Did you know that? You may not can remember it. But you know, it is something that's pretty amazing, isn't it, about the human body. There's this immediate link-up between the nose and the brain. Now, smell bypasses conscious brain and appeals directly to the limbic system. And the sense of smell is wired directly to our brain and to our emotions. Furthermore, the sense of smell is almost an infallible trigger to memory. Now let me explain this or or share my experiences with this. And maybe it will prompt you to think of some of yours. But in the last few days, I was thinking of a smell. And the smell I was thinking of was Vicks Vapor Rub. Have you ever... Can you smell it right now, Vicks Vapor Rub? Can you smell it? You know, what it caused me to remember was my mother rubbing it on my chest when I was a little boy so that I could breathe better when I had a cold. And, and, and you know, that brought back all kinds of wonderful memories that made me feel peace. It made me feel cared for. made me remember my mother. You know, I also remembered the smell of chalk. Y'all don't have erasers in the classrooms anymore, do you kids? chalkboards and all that. I figured that, long gone. But how many of you can remember the smell of chalk dust? And you know what I remember about chalk dust is that my first grade teacher, Ms. Stewart, if you got done with your work ahead of time, then, then you might get called on to go outside and to dust the erasers on the rock wall. And in and, 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 and doing that, it was not only fun to clean the erasers, but you also wouldn't have to be in class for that moment. You know, you'd get, get a little break. I remembered that. It smelled like the good stuff. You know, I also remembered the smell of my very first leather Bible. One of the pastors who was influential in my life as a high schooler was a man named Brother Billy Thomas and his wife, Emma Jo Thomas. She gave me a little Bible. It was a little testament, actually, but it was leather-bound. It was beautiful. It had my name, Stanley, on the front. That was all it said, Stanley. That's what she called me. But what I remember about that Bible is that when you would open it up, it would you know how it would smell? It smelled like God. You know, if you want to smell God, God's smell is up in my study at my office right now in that leather Bible. At least what it, it's what it reminded me of. A very special time in my life when I was especially close to God and those people who gifted me with that Bible. You know, and I love the springtime of the year with the, the dogwoods are blooming in East Texas and the azaleas and and, uh, you know, of course, we've seen on the highway, especially if you've driven south, the the Texas Blue Bonnet, right? And, and you know, I don't know how great blue bonnets smell, but you can almost smell the scent of spring in the air right now, can't you? It's all over the place, and it, it perhaps brings back great memories uh, to you. I, I want to see if we can see a picture of a blue bonnet just to get you in the mood. Can you smell it? It's the good stuff. And, and Tammy and I, we have had the pleasure of keeping our, our baby, uh, grandbaby Claire Bear the last few days while her pa- parents, what's their names, were out of town. <laughs> and, and you know, when you combine the smell of blue bonnets with the smell of a little baby, you know, don't babies smell good? I mean, most of the time, you know when they don't, but there she is. Okay, sermon's over. See y'all later. (laughs) Let me tell you something. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Now the smell of nard in the room that day with Jesus smelled like death to Martha and Mary because they remembered what it was like just a few days ago when their brother Lazarus got so sick. He got so sick they summoned Jesus. But Jesus couldn't come in time. And Jesus died. I mean, Lazarus died. Jesus wasn't there. And then and, and they had to anoint Lazarus' body with the nard. And and he was so fragrant and yet he was dead. And that smell, it just reminded them of their brother's death. And they were so heartbroken. And they longed for Jesus. And we arrived. When he arrived, he was just too late. It It was already done. But Jesus said it wasn't done. And he went to the tomb of Lazarus. He had them roll the stone away. And there were objections that we've already talked about. But then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out of that grave. And and so for for Mary and for Martha and for, for Lazarus, that nard didn't smell like death. It didn't smell like the pain of the loss of a brother anymore. It smelled like the joy of seeing him alive again. It was the good stuff. Jesus it was a Roman that still reminded him of a time that was coming and coming fast which would be his own death and he reminded all in the room that Mary gets it she's anointing me with the good stuff preparing me for my burial Judas didn't get it To Judas, the nard smelled like money. Mary was putting the good stuff on Jesus' feet. and Judas had already done the calculations and he'd already figured out how much the good stuff was worth. And and, and he was questioning whether the good stuff should be wasted on Jesus' feet. When it could be sold for a lot of money. And then he said, and given to the poor. John is quick to remind us that he didn't care about the poor he was the keeper of the purse and he stole from the purse and he cared about the money so we find out in in, in a week or so when Judas betrayed Jesus he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver which would have been a tithe it would have been tenth of what this nard was worth Judas betrayed Jesus for a tenth of what? A pound of nard cost. For Judas, that nard was about greed. For Mary, it was about giving thanks to God and Jesus. She didn't know exactly who Jesus was, but she was, getting, she was starting to get it. This man is very special. This man brought my brother back to life. This man could very well be the Messiah. And I'm not going to miss the chance, she said. I'm going to anoint his feet. I'm going to show him how much I love him. I'm going to show him how much I care. I want to give my thanksgiving and my praise to this man, Jesus. And she anointed his feet and she dried his feet with her hair. And she taught us something too. She taught us that that, that ministry and outreach just doesn't come about. It springs forth from a worship center. Jesus reminded her and all in hearing that the poor you will have with you always. But you won't always have me like this. And I think that we're reminded that Mary got it right. She got it right in that she started with that care for Jesus, that thanksgiving for for Jesus. She started in an act of worship. And we get it too when we realize that when we center ourselves in worship, that's where our ministry and outreach springs forth. It's, It's an outgrowth of our thanksgiving to God. You know, these kids get it, these fourth graders. They go to chapel every day. There's chapel. We, we center our day at Wesley Prep in worship. And no doubt they understand what they've been doing with Bonton Farms and with uh, Cafe Momentum and, and, and what they've learned from those who've cared for them in teaching them, both in the classroom and with those two organizations. That our care for one another has to be centered in our values, and in this case, worship. And when we center ourselves in giving thanksgiving to God, great things spring forth. Things that are beyond our own abilities. You know, this house, this sanctuary smells like the good stuff to me. Retired United Methodist pastor Jim Moore shared a story about a couple in his church. He said that he was the pastor in a college town in another state. It was probably um, Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana, I'm guessing, because I know Jim served there. He said, one of my favorite persons in the congregation was a wonderful older man. And most everyone in our community called him Mr. Joe. Jim said, Mr. Joe was a kind-spirited man who was always gracious and thoughtful and considerate to everyone. He was a real Christian gentleman. He was what I would call, Jim said, a sweet conservative. He loved life, he loved people, he loved the church, he loved the Bible, he loved his Sunday school class, he loved his nation, he loved his president, whoever the president was. He prayed for his president, he prayed for his pastor every single day. He loved his wife, Betty, too. And they'd been married for 60 years. Mr. Joe and Miss Betty had such a wonderful marriage that was such an example of Of love and marriage to all of us who knew them. And then one night, Miss Betty didn't wake up in the morning. She died in her sleep. And Mr. Joe was devastated. They'd been childhood sweethearts and they had been in love for all of those many years, more than 60 years in marriage. And Jim said at Miss Betty's funeral, the church was packed. He said, I wasn't surprised about that, but I was surprised to see Gene there. He said Gene was a member of the church too, and he was the most liberal college professor in town. And I had no idea that Mr. Joe and Gene were friends. And their approach to life was so different. They were both devoted Christians. They were both wonderful members of the church. But socially and politically and religiously, they were at opposite ends of the pole. One was old. One was young. One was conservative. One was liberal. One was a lifelong Republican. One was a lifelong Democrat. And yet here was Gene at the funeral. But not just that. Gene was the chief pallbearer. And in addition to the memorial service, or to, to that role, when the memorial service began, Gene went over and he sat down beside Mr. Joe. They didn't have any children. And Gene was right there beside Mr. Joe. He put his arm around him, he held his shoulders, he patted him, and he comforted him all through the service. Jim said, I was so touched and I was also mystified. I had no idea that these two were close friends and such an unlikely pair, an an older conservative man and a young, brilliant, fiercely liberal professor. But after the service he said, I mentioned to Mr. Joe that I didn't realize that he and Gene were such close friends and he said, oh yeah, we're next door neighbors. We have been for years, we take care of each other. Joe said about Gene. He said he's a terrific neighbor and he's a wonderful friend. He said we have coffee together every Wednesday morning, every Wednesday morning. For 10 years he said, every Wednesday. And then he laughed and he said, you know, I tell him all the time that he cancels out my political votes But he said, you know what, Gene is like a son to me. And then Jim said, I asked Gene about the relationship. And Gene said, oh, I love Mr. Joe so much. He said, we had an instant friendship when we first met. And he's such a great man. But he said, you know, when my sister died in that tragic accident a few months ago, he said, Joe sat up with me all night. And he cried with me all night. I've told him that he's like a father to me. And there is nothing that I wouldn't do for him except vote like he votes. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Two men who are so different and, and yet brought together by the unity of Christ. No doubt so many times around a common table and by the way all of you need to know everybody's welcome at this table. It's the Lord's table. It's not a Methodist table. And everyone's welcome here. So beautiful that these two people so different could be so alike in their love. You know, my guess is that our fourth graders have learned a lot too along these lines. How we can learn from people who are different than we are. They have so much to teach us. And my guess is those at Bonton Farms and those at Cafe Momentum could say, you know, we learned something from those little fourth graders. And, And you know what I hope? I hope that that when some of those dishes that y'all cooked during this project, I hope that, that, that when you cook them again, you know what I hope? I hope they smell like the good stuff. Because the good stuff is really about thanksgiving and worship, isn't it? And then it's about how we live into our love and compassion for one another. That's the So I have to go over to Crosswalk right now. But in a moment, y'all are going to gather around this common table for Holy Communion. And, And I hope this room will be filled with fragrances that remind you of what really is the good stuff remember there's only one thing could make that Friday that we'll celebrate next week good. And it wasn't the way they anointed the body of Jesus. It was what the cross means in light of the resurrection. And all of those smells together smell like the good stuff. Easter lilies are coming! You won't have to wonder that they're in the room. And they will smell like the cross and the empty tomb. The good stuff.